Presented by Krylon, the National Association of Realtors, and Leviton. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We are here to help you tackle your home improvement project, your spring spruce up, whatever's on your to-do list. Let's get it on the done list. Pick up the phone first, give us a call. We'll help you take that all-important first step. 888-666-3974. Coming up, spring means the real estate season is heating up. And if you're considering selling your home, one of the most important decisions you need to make is setting the price. We're going to get tips on how to set the best sale price for your home so that you ultimately get the bottom line you want. And as you're looking for ways to spruce up your home for spring, one way to add pizzazz is with pendant lighting. Now, this is one do-it-yourself project that will really add a wow factor to any room. We're going to tell you how in just a few minutes. Plus, as kids head outside, it's a great time to make sure your play sets are safe. So we're going to have a safety checklist to look for in your own play set or the local playground with steps to follow, especially if you're planning to build your own playground this spring. Plus this hour, we're giving away a Leviton humidity sensor and fan control. Which is great for damp spaces like bathrooms because it will switch the fan on as soon as it detects moisture. The winner's also going to get a Decora Plus screwless wall plate. It's a prize pack worth 50 bucks. So call us right now. Let's get to it. 888-MONEY-PIT. Leslie, who is first? Brad in Massachusetts is on the line and wants some help with insulation. What's going on at your obviously chilly home? Well, we've got a stucco house, three-story. Um, it's a Japanese-style uh, arts and crafts. Oh, that sounds gorgeous. Yeah, it's different. It was, uh, it was designed by a fellow by the name of Ralph Adams Cram, who was a noted architect back in the day. Uh, there's no insulation. We have a cold basement, and uh, it's stucco, as I said. Uh, there may be fire stopping, I'm not sure, you know, in the walls. And uh, it, that's unclear. But I'm worried about moisture, so I'm also worried about a, a fuel bill. Uh, so what I'm looking to do is how do I go about insulating this house and uh, so that we can be warm all winter in this cold part of the, uh, the United States and at the same time make certain we don't introduce moisture problems from uh, trapped water. Well, first of all, this is a wood frame wall? Uh, Yes. So this is a good uh, reason to use a blown-in insulation. And so blown-in cellulose, maybe blown-in fiberglass, coupled with, you know, it has to be installed by somebody who really isn't what they're doing because they're going to use an infrared uh, scanner to determine those cold spaces. Because you mentioned you may have fire stopping. If it turns out you have fire stopping for every bay, every section of, of open two by four, you may end up with two holes instead of one. Once they figure out sort of the lay of the land, then uh, I would blow in insulation into those cavities. And that's going to warm up those walls quite a bit. Uh, if you use cellulose or fiberglass, I wouldn't be too terribly concerned about moisture because I think those walls are going to breathe based on the age of that house. 
and it's really not practical to do any kind of vapor barrier at this point. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he has to do the due diligence to make certain he fills all these bays up and everything. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. I mean, I did this in my home at the beginning of, well, it ended up happening at the beginning of the fall. And I did notice a big change in it, but I was really surprised that the contractor who did the insulation, which was blown in from the exterior, and I mean, I saw the holes and I saw the pink stuff flying out of it, but nobody would come in and do like a thermal scan to show me that the bait, you know, because it's like a mystery. You're like, is it really in there? Did you really do it? And I would love to see that to know that truly those areas are all filled. Right. Okay. So is that normally done from outside rather than coming in and uh, tearing up my wallpaper and everything? Or? Well, you have the option of doing it from outside or inside. Now, if it's stucco and you're going to repaint the, the, the house, uh, you know, repairing stucco is pretty easy and it's supposed to be rough. So that might be the way to go. Or a combination. You know, if you've got some rooms with nice wallpaper, maybe you, you leave those rooms alone. But if you've got some rooms that are just plain old drywall, then you, you go ahead and go at it from the inside. Any choice between uh, fiberglass or uh, or uh, cellulose? I, I personally prefer cellulose. I think that it, it, that it packs better, and it's got fire resistance built into it, so you don't have to worry about that. All right, good. Thank you so much. All right, well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Charlene in Tennessee with a flooring question. What can we do for you? Well, uh, our, we built our house in 2006, and we purchased from the mill solid oak hardwood planks, you know, that we were going to put down for flooring, and it's six inches wide, tongue and groove. Under, underneath that, we put... My husband thinks it's called Advantic. Advantic. It was a 50-year warranty, and the mill told us between that and the tongue and groove solid oak to put six mil of uh, plastic. All right, so what's the problem we're trying to solve here? The problem that we're solving is in a few areas, one which is mainly the bath, and the other is the kitchen. There's a squeaking noise. It's like you can't sneak in that area. It'll make okay. that that noise. So when you go on a diet, your husband can can hear you when you try to sneak into the kitchen to get to the refrigerator, huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. So look, this has little to do with what is underneath the floor and more to do with just sort of normal wear and tear and expansion and contraction. The reason those floors are those boards are squeaking is because they're moving. And so what you need to do is to tighten them up. Now, since it's a finished floor, you can't just go willy-nilly throwing nails and screws into it. You've got to be a little more strategic. So what you want to do is find the place where there's a floor joist underneath, and you can do that with a stud finder. And once you identify that spot, you drill small holes through the floor, and you use what's called a trim screw, which is only a little bit bigger than a finish nail. You screw through the finished floor into the floor joist, and that will pull that floor down and make it tighter and reduce the amount of movement that it's capable of, and that's what's going to quiet down your squeak. A little harder to do when it's a finished floor, but that's the way to do it. Okay, it sounds like it might be an easy fix. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, it's time for April showers. So if you've got some leaks around your Money Pit or you're just getting ready for the spring season, give us a call. We're here to give you a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, are you thinking about listing your home for sale this spring? Well, the most important first step is to set the sale price. We're going to have some tips on how to do just that in this week's Real Estate Tip of the Week, presented by the National Association of Realtors, next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Foundry Specialty Siding. Foundry Vinyl Cedar Siding gives your home the beauty of real cedar shake without the hassles and worries that come with wood siding. Foundry, unsurpassed beauty and strength. Find out more at foundrysiding.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. If you do, one caller we talked to on the air today is going to win a prize pack from Leviton, including the Leviton humidity sensor and fan control. This is a very convenient way to help reduce condensation in areas prone to dampness and high humidity, like, for example, your bathroom and your basement. The Leviton humidity sensor and fan control automatically detects excess humidity in a room and responds by automatically switching on the fan. That is just so great, especially if you've got somebody in your house who just doesn't ever remember to put on the bathroom vent fan. So it really is super helpful. And then when the humidity level drops, it switches the fan off. So again, a win-win situation. Now, our lucky winner is also going to get a Leviton Decora Plus screwless wall plate, which is a great way to make the switch look gorgeous. It's a prize package worth $50, so call us now at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Carl in Arkansas is on the line with a thermostat question. How can we help you? I bought an older house, and uh, the thermostat that's in it now for the heating and air conditioner is an old mercury switch. And what I what I, what I bought is a Honeywell 5-2 switch, programmer for five weekdays and a two weekend days. And what I want to know is, can I... Is that something I can change out myself, or is that something I need to hire an electrician to come do? The package says easy to easy to install, but I've looked it over, and it doesn't look like it's that easy to me. <laughs> well, look, if if you're uncomfortable with it, I would not hire an electrician. What kind of heat do you have? Is it gas, oil? What is it? It's electric. Oh, it's electric heat. What kind of furnace do you have? A uh, train. Is this a heat pump? No, no, no. It's not a heat pump. It's a, I, That's one thing I didn't want was a heat pump. It's a straight electric furnace? Right, straight electric furnace, and it has an outside unit, which is also a train. Oh, uh, uh, wait, wait a minute. Listen to me. If you tell me you have an outside com- condensing unit that works with this, you've got a heat pump. You've got the compressor outside and then the furnace inside. Now, a heat pump is a combination heat pump electric furnace. That's the way they're designed to work. And the reason that that's important is because the thermostat that you chose, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but it has to be rated for a heat pump because the way heat pumps work is when you set your heat, let's say you set your heat at 68 degrees, it starts getting cold outside, right? The, then inside the house, it falls to 67. The heat pump comes on. Still cold, falls to 66. Heat pump stays on. Still cold, falls to 65. Now it's a more than two-degree split between what it was set at and and what it is. The heat pump says, I can't keep up with this. I'm going to bring on my friend, the electric furnace. 
So now the electric furnace coils kick on and then bring the house up to temperature. But by you not having the right thermostat, what can happen is you can run more of the electric furnace and less of the heat pump, which will, which will significantly increase your electric bill. So the thermostat you choose has got to be designed for a heat pump. So I would say your first thing to do is to confirm. I don't know if you have an HVAC contractor that you work with, but, but get that system serviced. I mean, all these compressors have to be serviced once a year. If you haven't done it, get it serviced. Get the refrigerant checked out. While that guy's in the house, have him install a heat pump rated thermostat. Um, because you're obviously uncomfortable with it, and we don't want you to have all those wires apart and, and just and then just have a problem where you got no heat or no air. So I wouldn't do it myself because you're uncomfortable with it, and when in doubt, don't do it. But make sure you use the right thermostat. Otherwise, uh, you may drive up those costs unexpectedly, okay? Okay, well, I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You know, even if you can do it yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it yourself. And just like Carl said, if he read the instructions and it still seems confusing to him, then don't do it. You know, I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, and especially with something like your furnace where if you hook up the wires wrong, look, you're probably not going to break it, but you're not going to have heat. And that could be very unpleasant. Time now for today's Real Estate Tip of the Week presented by the National Association of Realtors. Well, if you want to get the best price when you sell your home, setting the right sale price is a critical first step. Yeah, factors ranging from market conditions even to interest rates are going to impact what you'll get. Now, home selling is part science, part marketing, part negotiation, and part art. And an experienced realtor can help you get a result that you're going to be happy with. Now, all homes have a price and sometimes more than one price. For example, there's the price that you'd like to get, the price a buyer would like to offer, and that point of agreement in the middle that results in the sale. The pricing of your home is influenced by local home sale prices, also by supply and demand in the area in which you live. Owner needs can also impact your sale price. So take somebody who must sell quickly. They're going to have less leverage in the marketplace and be trading lower profits for that faster close. And don't forget that a home sale price isn't the whole deal. A realtor can help you negotiate other elements like offsetting your closing costs, funding buyer mortgage points, and throwing in repairs or even appealing appliances. And that's your Real Estate Tip of the Week presented by the National Association of Realtors. Considering selling your home, today's market conditions may mean it's a good time. Every market's different, so call a Realtor today and visit Realtor.com. Now we've got Marie calling into the Money Pit with a cabinet question. How can we help you today? And I'm in a dilemma over kitchen cabinets. I really like this uh, fairly contemporary look, but it's a slab. We're, at the, we're on the salt water, and I've been told to maybe stay away from a slab cabinet door because of the way it um, expands and shrinks. What's your opinion on that or your advice? When you say slab, are you talking about like a full overlay? No, it's, it's an actual slab. I don't think it's an overlay or veneer at all. I think you mean a solid wood door, one-piece wood door, as opposed to one that's made up of uh, panels, like a raised panel door? Yes, it's not a raised panel, but you can actually see the pieces of wood. Well, I guess they're glued together, but there's no raised panels or anything on it. Yeah, it's a solid piece of wood. It's a laminated, laminated door, basically solid pieces of wood glued together. I don't know. I mean, if the door is made right and the wood is dried when it was built and it's sealed properly, I don't think it's more or less likely to swell than uh, than a, than a, a raised panel door would be. 
you know, that makes total sense the way you put it that way. Why wouldn't they dry it out first and then right. seal it properly? Huh, I never even thought about it in that context. You know, the boxes themselves that the cabinets are, you know, the cabinet box is going to be constructed out of, you know, a wood laminated ply so or or something that's more structurally stable. And I, I don't think you have to be concerned about the door. Hmm, I, 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 I think looking at it from that point of view, maybe I won't be. I've had people tell me that they're just going to get all walked, and but why would they if they if it is like you said a reliable cabinet maker? I guess that would right. be the, the question. Exactly, good quality cabinet should be dimensionally stable. I agree with you. Oh, I found a beautiful door, and I think I might go for it. Then thank you very much. Appreciate it. John's on the line, and he's dealing with a mold situation. Tell us what's going on. I have uh, a mold problem around my shower door. I bought the house two years ago. I stripped all the caulking out when I uh, had the mold problem. Mm-hmm. I've put caulking in with a, a nationally known brand. Mm-hmm. I even used uh, like a saran wrap type thing on my finger to eliminate uh, any contamination. Mm-hmm. I Before I did that, I cleaned it. Uh, I stripped it out with a plastic uh, uh, scraper. I also used uh, mineral spirits to clean it out. Uh, I've put it in and I still have problems with it. Uh, God, I, I, I'm, I'm just at my wit's end here. I run the humidity in my basement between 40 and 50%. I leave the shower door open. I even shut the, the furnace vent off in there, uh, to try and keep it so it's, it, it, uh, doesn't have a breeding of, of bacteria or anything or mold in that, uh, you got to tell me what I need to do. I don't know if I have an off-spec uh, caulking that I use, which is nationally known, or if I have an off-spec uh, aluminum frame and door that, that causes the mold. I, I have no idea. Well, look, you're going to get mold when you have moisture and organic material, and in a shower, that organic material can be sur- soap and dirt and that sort of thing. So you're doing the right thing, but let's just back it up and try it again here. You want to remove the old caulk. You mentioned mineral spirits. I usually recommend a bleach and water solution because this kills, this is a mildicide that kills anything that's stuck behind. Um, After you get that all dried out, cleaned out really, really well, then you can apply a caulk with mildicide. I would use a caulk that has microban in it. DAP caulks uh, are available with microban, and it's a good antimicrobial additive uh, that will uh, not grow mold. Now, the other thing I would do is I would also make sure that you have obviously have a bath exhaust fan and that you have an exhaust fan that's hooked up to a humidistat, which takes, uh, you know, it takes sort of you and anyone else that's using that bathroom out of the equation. If it's on a humidistat, it's automatically going to kick on when the humidity gets high enough to cause uh, mold problems, and it will stay on for some number of minutes when that humidity goes down to make sure the room is thoroughly vented out. That's the best way to handle that, and I think if you do those steps, you will find success. Hey, thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Still ahead, how safe is your backyard playset? We're going to teach you about the danger spots and get tips on playground safety from Nizzled House landscaping contractor Roger Cook after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they work in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home, call an 888-MONEY-PIT. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And if you visit us on Facebook, you can get in on our Go Green for Earth Day sweepstakes. We're giving away 1000 bucks in prizes from Staples to one lucky winner, including $500 worth of sustainable earth by Staples products. Yeah, this eco-friendly line actually helps you lessen your impact on the environment, and it includes everything from office supplies to cleaning products. If you like our page at Facebook.com slash The Money Pit, you can enter there, and if you share the sweepstakes with your buddies, you get some bonus entries. 888-666-3974, standing by to take your home improvement question. Well, as the weather turns warmer and kids move outside to play, it's a great time to make sure that the play areas around your house are properly constructed and safe. Or if you're thinking that this might be the perfect time of year to build a play area that your children can enjoy for years to come, there are a few steps you need to take to make sure kids won't get hurt. Here with the answers is this old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook. Welcome, Roger. Glad to be here. So, you know, when the kids hit the playground, Safety is obviously the last thing on their minds, but it really needs to be the first thing when we're building these spaces, right? Yes. I recently read that over 200,000 kids in the United States under 14 are hurt in playground accidents, and most of those occur in the backyard. Wow. That's a staggering statistic. So when it comes to building these playgrounds and building them safely, I guess the first thing we're certain of is that kids are going to fall. So we want to make sure that that surface is safe. So what are the options? Well, there are a lot of options, and it depends on, number one, money, aesthetics, and what you like. So Let's take a look at a couple different options. Okay. So obviously, one is sand. Right. Now, they say that you should be six feet out from the structure that you're trying to put this material into. That's a big fall zone. Mm. But what you have to do is you have to excavate out the material that's there and put in six inches of sand. So it's not just dumping the sand on top of the hard-packed earth that's underneath. Mm-hmm. That kind of defeats the purpose. Right? No, it'll just get pushed out of the way and not do what it's supposed to do. And that's based on a height of seven feet. If you get up to 10 feet, you're going to need nine inches if you get up to 11 feet. But first of all, who wants a place at 11 feet in there? <laughs> I mean, you're talking about putting in a foot of material, so wow. it's a lot of work. And yeah. again, there's sand, there's bark mulch, there's special types of chips that are made for mm-hmm. these areas. You just want something that if someone falls, there is a cushioning effect. Now, I'll tell you, I had a chance to um, not personally witness, but I was there the next day after this happened. This past summer, I was at a high adventure base where they had a lot of scouts that were uh, repelling down walls. And not a scout, but one of the instructors lost his train of thought. And he was repelling down a 40-foot wall, and he forgot to hook himself in. And this guy fell about 30 feet. And what was underneath was stone, like three feet of stone that they had built under these repelling walls. And he walked away without a scratch. That's amazing. But even something like stone has a little give to it. Exactly. Exactly. If it's properly engineered and properly designed, it really makes a big difference. Yes. Well, I know because one of the safe choices that they've always been discussing is pea gravel. And in my mind, why do I want to jump off of a playground set into pea gravel? But you're right. As long as you've got the depth, it's got some play to it. And that's really what you need. Yeah. The one thing I will warn people about, 
that the stuff we're putting in these play sets gets in every nook and cranet. And when the kids come inside, <laughs> you got pea stone, you got sand, you <laughs> yeah. got rubber, you got everything you can believe coming in the house. Well, small price to pay, though, for keeping them safe. Speaking of which, let's talk about the materials uh, that folks are building play sets with. I mean, for many, many years, we built it with pressure-treated lumber, and we found that that wasn't such a hot idea. Well, it's, it's like gardening. We always used to use pressure-treated around a gardening. Now we're smart enough to say, hey, this isn't a good thing. Kids could eat or chew on this stuff, and we don't even know it. Right. Um, it's just a better choice to go with material like a cedar, which mm-hmm. is a natural uh, resist decay right. and will last a pretty long time in the soil. Well, and I think that's important also because— in order for the building structure to maintain its you know, safety, you have to maintain it. So depending on the material that you choose is going to determine the level of maintenance that's required, right? That's right. That's right. And a couple other things to think about is when you're putting in the playset, what's around it? Uh, is a swing going to bump into a slide or is yeah. they going to come off the slide and hit a tree? There's a lot of things you should think about before you build it. Sort of that fall zone has to be clear, not only from the piece of equipment that you expect them to jump off of, but of any sort of intersections of, of two pieces of equipment. Like or that. intersection of siblings, yeah. pushing and yeah. the like. Yeah. I'm sensing a theater, <laughs> the ongoing theme here. Yeah, I think Leslie's seen a lot of that. I'm just I just saying. put in a playground set, and so far it's been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one got hurt, though. No, nobody's got hurt, but, you know, I want a twisty slide. I get a baby swing for the little guy. The mm. five-year-old's in the baby swing. I'm like, well, wait a second here. You know, so I can only see as one gets bigger how this is all going to work out. And as those kids do get bigger and they jump on those swings, then the swing is something that's that, that it walks. We used to say, you know, when you swing out, mm-hmm. and it lifts the back of the swing, lifts off the ground. So when you set those posts, it's kind of like when you're building a deck or anything else. You really have to have those posts deep in the ground, right? Yeah, usually these kits that come for the playgrounds have directions on exactly how to anchor them into the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing you shouldn't cut corners, you shouldn't skimp on, because like you said, it's like a pendulum. That weight gets swinging out away from the center. It's got a lot of pull on it. Talking to Roger Cook, he's a landscaping contractor on TV's This Old House about how to build a safe playground. Now, Roger, besides uh, the playground equipment and the space, what do we need to consider when it comes to the railings? Because often you hear about kids getting caught in the railings. Well, there's a code for the spacing between the railings. It's either smaller than 3.5 inches or greater than 9 inches. There's no way that a kid could get stuck in that. If it's 3.5 inches, they can't get between it. If it's 9 inches, they can go in and out without getting stuck. Roger, you know, when it comes to safety, is there anything we should be looking for annually or, you know, twice a season to make sure that the whole structure is in a good shape? I always take and inspect the structure, especially if there's like ropes that are supporting a swing, for mm-hmm. example. There's good places for wear and tear to occur, and if it does, then it could break and give way. Um, a lot of the metal parts can rust and not be detected and can let go also. And this happens more so in a, a place that, that would be at a school where it really gets a lot of use and not very much inspection, then there's a good chance you could find a problem. Makes sense. Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor from TV's This Old House, helping us keep our kids safe. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Oh, you're welcome. You can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And still to come, does your house need a little pick-me-up? We've got a great do-it-yourself project that will add interest to any room installing your own pendant lighting. We'll tell you how when the Money Pit continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. 
The Money Pit is presented by Foundry Specialty Siding. Foundry Vinyl Cedar Siding gives your home the beauty of real cedar shake without the hassles and worries that come with wood siding. Foundry, unsurpassed beauty and strength. Find out more at foundrysiding.com. Making good homes better? Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number here is 888-MONEY-PIT. Now, one of you callers that gets on the air with us and asks their home improvement question is going to win a $50 prize pack from Leviton. And it includes a Leviton humidity sensor and fan control. Now, this control senses high humidity levels in, like, your bathroom or your basement. And once it does that, it will automatically turn your vent fan on. Other features? include three user-friendly adjustable settings for customized control, and the Uministat meets CalGreen requirements for indoor air quality and exhaust. The winner is also going to receive a Decora Plus screwless wall plate, so lots of stuff there going out to one caller drawn at random. The number is one eight 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 money pit Well, pendant lights are a popular choice these days, and for good reason. You know, they're sleek and can add style and drama to your lighting. And if you're just swapping out an old fixture, this can be an electrical project that you can do yourself. But if your existing wires are brittle or if you need to run some new electricity to perhaps a new spot, it's really best to call in an electrician. Now, the cool thing about pendant lighting is that it's suspended from the ceiling and it brings the light down exactly where you need it. There's a wide variety of shapes, sizes, and styles. They range from a four-inch diameter sort of mini cylinder to massive 30-inch domes. Yeah, and they can be very affordable as well. A four-inch colored glass mini pendant, which you'll see at home centers, they can start around $25 and you can use them to light up a workspace like a kitchen island, a prep zone, or even even a desk in your home office, and they can also cast a warm glow in a dining room or an entryway. Now, what's really cool that I've seen as far as pendant lights go is that if you've got a ceiling can, I've seen these adapters that sort of screw in as if it were a light bulb of its own, and then it has a cap that covers over the old ceiling can and then a cord that hangs down and it's an instant pendant light so no electrician required there even now that's a very cool idea because i've got uh, i've got some ceiling lights like that in in my room and they're all in a row and boy that would be kind of a really neat way to do a quick makeover wouldn't it mm-hmm. well when it comes to the switch uh remember that dimmers are really the way to go for uh, controlling pendants because this way you can adjust the light in the evening and you can create some very attractive patterns with it. Any way you choose, though, pendant lights are a really nice addition to your home. So think about it the next time your home needs a little pick-me-up. 888-666-3974. If you need some help picking up with your home improvement project where you left it off, give us a call right now because we are here to do just that. Now we've got Pam in Illinois on the line dealing with a flat roof. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. We are having a problem uh, finding a leak on our roof. Is We have a roof that's flat, but it has a, a, a slope to it. We have our air conditioning units that sit up there along, you know, with the uh, roofing vents. Um, we've used that white vinyl you know, to seal it. It's a rolled roofing, you know. Uh, we've sealed it with the white vinyl. Around the air conditioning units and the vents, we've used the black mastic tape, but we can't seem to get, you know, to seal them. So do you have any suggestions, something that would work? So do you know where the leak is? Well, 
<clears throat> we're thinking around the vent or the air conditioning unit. Have you tried to take a garden hose up there and, and strategically sort of flood that suspected area to see if you can cause the leak to happen? Uh, no, we haven't. So that might be a good next step. Uh, start low on the roof because it it's sloped and flood that area with the garden hose for 15 or 20 minutes. And then if nothing happens, you know, move it up a few feet and a few feet and a few feet to see if you can narrow down the exact area where the leak is happening. Uh, You've got a difficult situation, Pam, because first of all, rolled roofing is the weakest roofing material out there when it comes to low slope roofs. Secondly, you've got an air conditioning compressor on the roof probably sitting on four-by-fours or something of that nature. So when the where the air conditioner sits, as it goes on, it vibrates. And so that vibration breaks down that roofing material, makes it really difficult for you to get something that's that's leak-free. If the roof was built in a different way, and by that I mean if the roll roofing was stripped off right down to the sheathing, uh, and the roof was built with maybe like a, a rubberized roof or something of that nature, and there are fa- there are special types of support mechanisms for air conditioners that have flashing built into them. You know, then you wouldn't be having this issue. So there's no sort there's no like easy way to kind of make this go away. All I can really suggest is that you strategically try to find out where this leak is, and then focus your 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 tarring application efforts right around those spaces. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy to find it. But once you do, hopefully you can identify the weak link. And then as a matter of preventative maintenance, you can get up there and and then reseal it every once in a while. Okay. Well, you've certainly helped us and given us a lot of food for thought. All right. Happy to do so. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Still to come, are you running out of storage space? Please, who isn't? A backyard shed, that could solve that problem. So we're going to share some tips after this. Starting an outdoor staining project? Make it faster and easier with Floodwood Care Products. Start today at flood.com slash simplify and use the interactive selection guide to find the right flood wood care products for your project. Flood, simple across the board. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And right now, if you log on to facebook.com slash the Money Pit, you can enter our Go Green for Earth Day sweepstakes and win 1000 bucks in prizes from our friends at Staples. Now, the winner is going to get $500 in sustainable Earth by Staples products. These are eco-friendly options for everything from office supplies to cleaning products. Yeah, and the winner is also going to get a $500 Staples gift card. All you have to do is head on over to facebook.com slash themoneypit and like us, and you're automatically entered. Now, if you share the contest with your friends, all of a sudden you're going to get some bonus entries, which is super because who doesn't need $500 to spend at Staples? All right. And while you're online, if you feel like posting us a question in the Money Pit community section, I've got one here from Joanna who writes, I'm thinking about a shed for my side yard. What should I look for in a shed? And is this something that I need to have professionally installed? Well, a shed is a great home improvement project to take on. And I think 
the first thing to consider is what you're putting the shed on. Too many times I've seen folks just uh, buy sheds, uh, either ones that are pre-assembled or ones they have to assemble themselves, and set them right on the earth. That's a bad idea. Now, you don't need a foundation as if you were putting up an addition, but it's a good idea to put something down that uh, raises the elevation of the soil just a bit, like perhaps a brick paver patio would work well so that you get a brick surface it's the shed floor and you get the shed walls up a bit now when it comes to materials there's obviously lots of choices out there uh take a look at the folks from arrow sheds it's arrowsheds.com they make uh some electro galvanized steel or vinyl coated uh, steel products now there's also vinyl sheds and i found those to be somewhat sometimes a little bit floppy so you need to buy a good quality one like for example something from lifetime products or you can do what what i did it build your own shed uh, out of uh, you know wood framing just frame it up just like a mini little house and uh, either way you go though it's a great fun project but I'll give you one word of advice make sure you check with your municipality because some of them have rules about how big the sheds can be how close to the property lines they can be and so on so you don't want to you know buy a shed or build a shed and then find out you got to tear it down because that would be bad all right next up we've got a post from Sean who writes I want to put a pool in my backyard what steps do I need to take as far as space planning and checking with my town. Well, you certainly do need to check with your town because there are rules, there are zoning laws about what you can put in your house and, and how big it can be and so on. So the first step is to check with local construction authorities to find out what you're allowed to do and then go ahead and get a plan together to actually do it. But uh, don't just uh, talk to a contractor until you check the zoning first because you may not be able to do it. Or if you can do it, you might need a variance and that can be very expensive. Yeah. And you know, Sean, you'd be surprised because when we put in central air conditioning, our condensing unit sat six inches outside of this zone for where I could place it, and I needed to get a variance for that. It's not a terrible process, just time-consuming. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air online at moneypit.com. We hope that you are enjoying spring. Certainly in most parts of the country, it's starting to get a bit warmer right now and enabling us to get outside, get some fun projects done on the outside of our house, or do a little redecoration after being stuck inside through that long, chilly winter. Whatever project you have in mind, moneypit.com is your resource for tips and advice, and you can always post your questions during the week to our community section at moneypit.com, and one of the community members, or perhaps even Leslie or I, will jump on there and give you an answer. That's all the time we have for today's program. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.